Sustainable development is not an option, it is an imperative. Earth Odyssey is an international organization that aims to research, collect, and present solutions to inspire and empower the ones responsible for educating the children who will lead the world in the future. This is a podcast extracted from the webinar with panelists from around the world. Webinar 9, Holistic Wellness, Responsible Pathways to Health, Happiness, and Sustainability. Good evening. Let me begin by welcoming the very distinguished panel. They have all very wide experiences, and that's what we need, this multidisciplinary approach to sustainable development as well as to holistic wellness. I also want to welcome a large group who are on our Earth Odyssey YouTube channel. Uh, this is the largest group that have joined us, so welcome everyone. And you can put your comments on chat and at the Earth Odyssey site we are always welcome your comments. So let me begin by introducing why this subject, why the linkage between sustainable development and holistic well-being. Not wellness, but well-being. I had the opportunity after 35 years working on sustainable development, followed by 15 years working on holistic well-being here in Bali, I sat down, I must admit, a few months to write my story. And at the end of it, which was three weeks ago, I pondered for a week, what does this all mean? And suddenly it hit me that we've had around 5,000 guests in these 15 years at Zen Resort. And 90% of them had an amazing transformation. They were normal people who came to the resort, but when they left, they were committed to sustainable development. They were committed to holistic wellness. And that made me think that is there a linkage? Are all the problems that we are facing in the world a result of the fact that human aggression and human violence is the one that is causing the divisiveness in the human world. Nature exploitation and destruction by human activities. So the fundamental point is, point is that it's human activities which are the cause of all the challenges of sustainable development in the human world as well as in nature that we are facing. Now, human beings, homo sapiens, are wise. They are supposed to be have wisdom. That's the definition. And human beings are born rational. So what is it that through life they become, they practice activities which are destructive in the human world as well as in the world of nature? So the question was, to ask ourselves that what is a human being comprised of? What are the dimensions and consciousness of human beings? You have physical, 
you have emotional, you have spiritual, intellectual, occupational, social, environmental. These are the parameters that drive a human being. For example, physically, if you're not feeling well, then if that turns into stress, you end up maybe snacking, alcohol, tobacco. So that causes your hormones to change and your whole system to change. So this is a element in the physical side. Emotionally, it's similar. Spiritually, how do you behave with other people, etc. So when you look at these six, seven dimensions and consciousness of human holistic well-being, you begin to see that this could be the entry points to turn people into rational, caring, compassionate, empathetic people. Now, there is plenty of evidence available on what happens to the human body and the mind and the soul under stress. You know, the hormones, the, the fluids that are generated in the brain, etc. So that is, gives us a handle that if we all achieved perfect holistic well-being, would we continue with these destructive activities? The answer is yes, because modern lifestyles have become the norm the whole world over. Modern lifestyles are driven by materialism, greed, jealousy, and power. And that is the source of the waste and the pollution. And everybody in the world, because of advertising, because of social media, because of the rich and poor divides in our world, wants to be on the train of modern lifestyles. And those trains are suicidal because you will end up with the diseases and ailments of modern lifestyles like diabetes, obesity, mental stress, depression, uh, stress which leads to diseases like cancer. And for any, all of this, that is modern medicine has no cure. It has only maintenance. So we need to get off these trains. We have a human well-being crisis of this emerging burden of diseases. We've seen the pandemic, which is also a source maybe from nature, maybe from a laboratory, but human intervention in the side of destruction or an experiment gone wrong is responsible for this. Nature's destruction, climate, extinction of species, pollution, waste, air, water, land, and now we are going to space. We are putting a lot of junk in the atmosphere and we don't know all those satellites and all those metal pieces, what it will do in the end. So modern lifestyles needs to be transformed into sustainable human beings, sustainable human lifestyles. So how can we do this? The first and foremost need is to bridge traditional holistic medicine, which has developed over centuries by trial and error without clinical evidence, but it's centuries of trial and error. On the other hand, we have modern medicine with clinical trials, well-founded, but we need to bridge this gap. 
because when you bridge it, then we can have preventive, restorative, and curative all integrated in one. Secondly, the pandemic has highlighted that multilateralism is the way, not unilateralism. Right now, we have vaccine nationalization. And as long as there is a pocket of COVID-19 in this world, nobody will be safe. Third, we must reform our political and business governance for common prosperity, peace, and harmony. But politics and business has not delivered in these 30 years. So the fourth element is, is there a way to mobilize the citizen movements around the world? If you want to protect nature, at the end of the day, it's the citizens of the world who will be on the ground everywhere in the world to protect. So we need to mobilize citizen partnerships. And lastly, but not least, is we must have partnerships of respect and equality, not me first. And that's also critical. And there are other factors to this. So the subjects we have, and you are all experienced in elements of this, is can we use holistic well-being approach to turn people into responsible consumers, responsible thinkers, responsible ethics, morals, and etc. And if we do succeed, then over time, we would have respect for nature. And we must always remember that humans cannot survive without nature, but nature can survive without humans. Nature has the way, the harmony. Every solution to every problem we face is in front of us. If we can look into nature, we will find a solution. So with that introduction, I will now hand over and I call on Dr. Avadut Mohit, who is, please Avadut, you have the floor. Hi, good evening, everyone, and uh, hope I'm audible enough. Am I audible? Yes, you are. Yeah. So, uh, thank Earth Odyssey, thanks Mahindra, thanks UV for you know the the invite, and uh, it is a wonderful topic to really discuss. It can go a lot, a lot, and a lot deeper if we really uh, try to think over this particular topic. But since I come from a clinical background, I am a medical doctor, um, specialized in Ayurveda and trained in modern medicine as well. I am a surgeon by training, but having spent um, last almost 13, 15 years in this particular field and been around exploring the ventures of what um, modern medicine has uh, offered as well as you know looking into the traditional chinese medicine the indian medicine and a lot of uh, traditional medicines that uh, that goes around in the world so you know i myself have started a movement of you know treating at least my patients in a very integrative way so i'll keep this 5 6 minutes of mine uh, very much uh, in lines to my clinical background uh, 
and uh, it 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 definitely would make sense if a doctor talks about the medical topic and i i assume all would be uh, in accordance to it um so uh, based on my particular uh, you know experience i would say uh, keeping a holistic approach when it comes to treating human beings is is really very important and very fruitful because i personally believe or you know what has come to my conclusion is you know it's 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 not wise to call it a modern medicine or a traditional medicine because science has no time and region you know it it cannot be having a region or a time barrier medicine is always a medicine so whether we talk about the ancient systems of medicine or modern system of medicine it is not about the age or the time uh, all of them were designed to help the human kind it was all to prevent or to give the curative uh, aid to the humans so be it in the you know the southeastern countries or be it in the western countries the aim and the objective of, of medicine was always to help the human kind so you know we should start with the fact that there is nothing called as uh, old medicine or a new medicine it should be an integrative approach of the eastern medicine and the western medicine but it is a science at the end of the day so as mahendra rightly said uh, we have to uh, build a model or we should be looking into the model where we integrate uh, the systems uh, modern which, which is quite robust in its clinical trial uh, the investments as well as the uh, the old and the traditional systems which which you know which are very deep seated which is mostly on the uh, local herbs or you know some easy to make home remedies but it has been there for last you know uh, centuries and by the by the sheer existence in last couple of centuries it 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 is a statement in itself that you now it is useful because it if it was not fit for the humans it couldn't have survived all these years so uh, it, it is it is good to integrate the systems of medicine uh, uh, the way we are currently doing it in many of the spas or the medical spas the way we have integrated ayurveda with yoga or even with meditation people are getting um, a, a 360 sort of a you know solution many a times it is linked to your habits many a times it is, uh, it is with respect to your immunity with respect to your mind so rather than keeping it unanimous it is always good to integrate it with the other systems uh, the way we are doing it with uh, yoga and ayurveda and i'm sure uh, most of you have experienced it in zen itself the zen resource which uh, is a venture of mahendra uh, where there is an integrative approach towards the yoga ayurveda and meditation so um, i would say yes integration is really very important and uh, i'll keep it very simple as i said in the uh, at the start uh, just to have this particular seed because whatever discussions we will make in terms of the clinical aspect to uh, help the mankind it has to be uh, a single system of medicine which is wholesome which has aspects coming from uh, you know all 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 corners of the world and all scholars and all the ages it cannot have uh, a single system of medicine coming uh, con- contributing to a one 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 single uh, uh, on a one single platform it has to be a complete robust uh, system so uh, 
that's where i would want to stop my uh, discussion because i think you know it is one of the very important part when we think uh, clinically or when it comes to the medical sciences to help uh, the mankind thank you thank you dr avadot you made one point uh, the oath of ayurveda and the oath of hippocrates are both yeah. almost identical in serving the human beings and looking at the human being as a whole but modern medicine and tradition and traditional or you want to call it holistic medicine the ayurveda is not allowed in the united states or in europe unless a local doctor is present Uh, there are reasons for this because the elite in the us and all over the world want ayurveda want yoga want meditation but india has not made the effort to take it just the way the china with tcm has done so that is one point and you are absolutely right it's not only ayurveda and tcm we must not forget that every grandmother who is alive today has secrets handed down to her from her own grandmother and we have never collected this information and i think the challenge is we need to put modern medicine or the current modern medicine so called modern medicine in the west and the holistic medicine the practitioners of these two need to be locked up in a conference room until they find the solution to making that bridge i will stop there and hand it over to lauren before i get into any more trouble Lauren, you have the floor. So, hi, my name is Lauren Mignon, and um, I'm the co-founder of Kiko Lab, the Collective Intelligence Collaboratory. And today, I wanted to talk about wellness in the context of group intelligence. So, wellness is often framed in terms of uh, individual personal responsibility. You know, so if you're sick, you're not drinking enough green juice, you're not exercising, you're not eating right, you're not doing enough daily affirmations. So wellness is all about improvement. Uh, even loving ourselves, we have to embark on a self-love program to get measurable results that allow us to be more effective. There's this entire love and light industry You know, but looking at the sun and showering ourselves with affirmations is only going to take us so far if we're standing in a pile of crap. So there's this critical element of healing that's called shadow work. And this involves delving into the depths of our subconscious desires. It's about exploring why even when we say we want to eat right and heal ourselves and attract wealth, we don't actually take the actions necessary to make it happen or we secretly sabotage ourselves in such a way that our conscious mind never even realizes that this is what we're doing uh and can continue to blame our present condition on what we call fate so there are often forces deep 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 within us um that our conscious mind rejects and just shames into silence ugly elements that crave scarcity or powerlessness or averageness. And the only way to become a truly integrated person is to listen to these voices without judgment and disapproval and celebrate them as part of the whole. 
So once these suppressed voices are acknowledged, listened to, and accepted, they calm down and sometimes even depart on their own. So at that point, the law of attraction can then do its magic and bring forth what the conscious mind conjures. So this dynamic of the conscious mind declaring to want one thing while the subconscious mind sabotages it can also happen in a group context. You can have a group that declares it wants a certain thing and does its best on the surface to work towards that goal. But if there's subconscious forces at work that secretly fear success, they can make progress impossible. There's actually a sort of uh, invisible force field that's a powerful attractor of the group's subconscious desires. So the point of this is just like in the individual, the way to solve this is not an improvement process, but an acknowledgement process. So it's about sitting with these voices, hearing them, and um, indulging them. So sometimes when they come to light, they might be ridiculous. And sometimes they might voice uh, legitimate concerns which must be dealt with. But going through this acceptance process is often the missing key to healing and wellness and the path for greater group intelligence. And that's it. Thank you so much, Lauren. You are ideally positioned in the greatest challenge we have because you can take an individual and have a dialogue with the individual in the subconscious mind, the conscious mind, and you identify the issues. And then you have a group session. The challenge we have is how do we move to individual to the group and scale it all up? Because at the end of the day, we can only succeed if humanity comes together and begins to adopt as a group. And when we talk of the subconscious and the unconscious mind, the linkage surely comes from intelligence to be able to extract from the two quarters and, and trying to build on it. So, Loren, this uh, would be wonderful that if we have a focused discussion later in our session and also going forward, how can we bring this work that you are doing, which is very interesting on the collective intelligence, because that also is the key, the collective actions. Uh, how can we mobilize the citizens to take collective actions when our political system and our business system is not delivering? So thank you so much for your uh, points. Anders, you have the floor. Where's Mr. Anders? It's green. In that case, Jacqueline, you yeah. have the floor. Thank you. I just unmuted myself. Hi, my name is Jacqueline Pertle. Um, I am originally from Switzerland, live in the United States. Now I'm a holistic practitioner. Uh, author and a speaker and podcaster and my work is really all about 
conscious living and mindful living. And uh, in my holistic practice, I help people to live happier lives, better lives, more aligned lives. And it all boils down to realizing that you're not just this physical body walking down the street, that you are a whole being. You know, you are an energy cloud that is walking down the street. You're a very powerful person or whole being that's walking down the street. And you're made up, as already was mentioned, out of different components. You know, you are a physical body, your mind, you are a, a, however you want to call it, a soul, a spiritual being, you are in a you, whatever word you want to use. And then you're also one with consciousness. So you really matter and everything you do matters because it affects everything and everyone. You're feeding consciousness with that. And the, the important part for me is to bring across, to really pull this together, that you are not just the physical body. And the, I believe very strongly, I see it every day in my work, that um, the, the energetic part is really, the inner spiritual you part is really the bigger part of you. And we're all here for the same reason, to really align with that. And it was mentioned about um, not to make it all about me. And I agree with that. However, I think that making it all about you so you can show up about, you know, to be, to be the best you that you can be. So first go inward and there make it all about you. Align with yourself with who you really are, that pure positive person, that pure positive energetic being that you really are. And that inner voice that's always talking with you and really align with that and then be that and then show up in the world and there be one with everything, you know, be kind and help from a space of that and not from a space of being all, you know, tired or unaligned or whatnot, because that just creates resentment and anger. And to me, that's really mindful living, you know, like align yourself and then show up mindfully in the world, show up being one with consciousness, you know, like when you walk down the street and you hear a bird, realize that that bird is singing for you, you know, like otherwise the bird wouldn't be in your awareness. Or when you drink water, it's not just water. It's, it's an energy that you're filling yourself with. You can even, you know, program water, as been proven before, program water with positivity and then drink the water. You're not just eating food. You're eating, you know, you're feeding and nourishing yourself energy and you become one with that. So are you really going to eat that bag of chips? You know, why not sense that energy off that bag of chips and see if it even fits for you, you know, because if it would fit for you, you would still create a really good one with each other, good co-creation. But if it doesn't, most likely more often than not, it doesn't really fit. And to kind of like, I'm all energetic. <laughs> I sense everything, you know, all the people's energies and where their issues are in the physical bodies. It's all a sensing of energy for me. So where I'm coming from is really all to tune into your energetic being and your in, into your energetic essence and become one with that and then realize that everyone else is that too. The tree is that too. Your children are that too. You know, it's like, um, for instance, with your children, I also wrote uh, some books and um, one is a parenting book and it's really to realize that everyone out there and everything out there is an energetic essence to a whole being too and is here for the same reason to align 
and then as one we move forward so to me sustainability starts within you know you you start being sustainable inside of yourself of pulling yourself in and then showing up as the best you that you can be and out of that energy you will have the power you will be thrilled to show up in a sustainable way and be kind to earth and be kind to everything and also to uplift everybody because we're all one we're all sharing our energy and our being with everything so if i show up really as the best me because i did my inner alignment work that means i i feed consciousness so everyone will get a chunk of it that's you know aware of it or willing and with that you also inspire others so it's this you for you and then out there as the best you that you can be and that makes it, that you share it and spread it it's like never ending it's it's limitless what you put out there is it anger or is it kindness or is it you know is it a negative or positive it's gonna go infinite into for everybody and everything so and that's kind of what i wanted to touch base with this whole alignment and then being one with everything thank you so much uh, jacqueline the best is by definition in every one of you, us, in the subconscious as well as the conscious. And when you find the mechanism to bring out the best in an individual, then the next step is how this individual can be made into an ambassador <laughs> across the world into the groups. So we need to create this this, uh, I don't want to use the word army, but this group of people <laughs> to make this happen. We are very peaceful, Jacqueline. Maybe so, we can call it the army of light. Still powerful. Well, you know, Salvation Army is there, so maybe we have an escape there. So thank you very much, but please do think a little bit further and in our discussion, uh, we really would love to hear a little bit more about how we can take this from individual to group and onward to reach as many people across the world as we can. We'll Anders, are you still here? Can Can you hear me? You, wonderfully. Yeah, because I have some technical problem with the with the program here, so going in and out all the time. So let me have the floor for a few minutes. I'm Anders Nielsen. I'm uh, a scientist um, working in the field of uh, physics and chemistry, particularly maybe mo mostly for people known about water, water research, but I'm also a spiritual teacher. And what I would like to say is that we have an extraordinary opportunity at this time for the world because we have sort of gone out from having limitations uh, due to, particularly thanks to a lot of scientific development we can now actually provide food for people. Most people can have shelter. We can have really good medicine. All the scientific advances are there and we are going forward scientifically, bringing more and more knowledge for the world to use. But what is the problem then? The problem comes with the human side of us. We cannot only focus on the scientific and technical development. We need also the spiritual component. And with the spiritual component, is really to find out who we are truly on the inside and realize that we are all interconnected with each other. 
because the world today is so much run on fear. Fear of not being adequate, not being seen, not being loved. And as Lauren pointed out, of course, deep into our, our subconsciousness. And that makes us to think as an individual that we have the right to be superior. We have the right to be superior over others. Therefore, we have the right to have more than others. Or would we have superior over others because of our race or our gender? But most like, most may be relevant to this session, we think also we are superior on nature. So we have the right to violent take what nature provides, thinking that we are completely separate from nature. And, and so that is the fundamental problem that I call the false self in us, that we think something that is not truthful who we really are. This is the false self comes because we are running on fear. Um, so just to illustrate that we are, we are part of nature, I think a good example is water. As you know, water is covering 70% on the surface of the planet, but it's also 70% in each cell in the all living system. Whatever we are talking about plants, animals, but also human beings. And we are all born in water because our uh, fetus, so to speak, are immersed in water and our body is made of water. But for the water molecule itself, it's just an H2O molecule that has this wonderful collectiveness in its properties that makes life to come alive. And that is something we are share, sharing with everyone, with nature, with the plants, uh, actually with the whole universe, because water is also leaking out in the universe and we are getting water to, to the planet Earth. Um, you might think that the most, most water we have uh, in our solar system is on Earth, and that actually is wrong, is actually out in, in some of the outer planets that have an enormous amount of water. So we are all interconnected, and actually we are in that way interconnected through the water. And in the water molecule, nobody is superior, we are all equal, we are all sharing this compound. So coming back to that, what I'm saying is that we are all part of nature, uh, we can't see ourselves to be separate from nature and therefore we need to also work together with nature not against nature and we also need to see that we are all part of a collective humanity and we need to work together in the humanity not against each other and the science that we are actually having today is providing the tools for us and it's more like we have to open our heart and see who we really are and make this tool to express the wishes and the desire of the heart to really spread prosperity and love and peaceful and happiness in the world. But we cannot do that unless we really look at the dark side of all of us, the false self, that is running on fear and we have to look into the fear in our bodies. And maybe also what Lauren here is saying, some consciousness, so to speak. So, we are in an extraordinary point in time now. We have the tools to do all this. And many of these aspects were taught by the spiritual masters. You know, Buddha talked about eliminate desires. Jesus talked about love within all of humanity, uh, etc. So we have the time. This is the time now to really bring prosperity to the whole world and bring 
of balance and respect that we actually are, not only respect of nature, but actually that we are part of nature, we are not separate. So that's um, what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. Uh, you didn't mention that the most formative time of a human being is nine months, the first nine months of life in the womb, a water body. Yes. I thought I thought I said that with the fetus, you know, that we are we are born in water, we are conceived in water. So so um, and and we are all uh, still seventy percent water in in our bodies. And uh, as a Swede, Swedish are very modest. He says I work in water. I know Anders for a number of years. He was at Zen. He's an adamant diver. But he is one of the world's foremost people working on the properties of water, unique properties that is, he has discovered. Uh, that's on the water side as a scientist. But also the combination of science and spirituality, actually when you think of it, is actually the way forward for the world to heal itself. And when you talk of Ayurveda, we may call it traditional medicine, we may call it holistic medicine, but Ayurveda, the translation of the words, is the science of life. So it is not traditional medicine, it's the science of life. So this combination of science and spirituality uh, is really the pathway forward. And uh, we really very much work to continue with this dialogue, Anders. Absolutely, it's it's, it's uh, and that's what I mean. We have an extraordinary opportunity at this time because we can actually have the tools to bring prosperity to the world. We just need to open up our hearts. That's all what we need to do and share uh, all these possibilities we have now. Um, it's it's a unique point in time. Thank you, thank you, Faraz. You have the floor. Faraz is speaking to us. Are you at the Four Seasons in Bali? Yes, yes. Please, yes. you have the floor. Thank you, Mahindraji. Uh, yes, I work as Spa and Wellness Manager at Four Seasons Cyan in Bali. So my background is in uh, business and hotel operations. And also for some, a few years, I trained in and taught yoga and meditation as well. So carrying forward from what Anders and uh, Lauren have shared, I think I agree we are living in a very unique time in human history at the moment because uh, for the very first time, as far as we know, we have a problem of plenty. We have a problem of choice. We no longer have an issue where there are not enough resources or there's not enough medicine, not enough food. There is enough and more to go by. The real problem at the moment or the real issue is that of allocation of resources and priorities. So this issue can be tackled either in a top-down way, in a structural way. You know, you can bring uh, legislation, you can have uh, carbon credits, et cetera, et cetera. You can have incentives. You can subsidize industries or sectors which support a certain goal which will lead to a sustainable development. And also through top-down leadership, uh, you can have visionaries or leaders who can bring about ideas. But what we also need is a bottoms-up 
kind of a groundswell and an awareness among all the people to make this successful and to accelerate it. I, I think that we are pointed in the right direction. I don't think our direction is wrong. I think over time in history, we have improved consistently and we are in the right direction. It's just that we're at a cusp, which is very crucial. So it is upon us to make it a smoother, better and a quicker, healthier transition. The transition will happen anyway. It could be it could be traumatic or it could be drastic or we could make we could consciously do it like uh, i remember swami vivekananda used to say that all of us are headed towards the direction of the final goal of spiritual enlightenment it just depends upon us do we accelerate it and do we do it consciously or are we just driven towards it through the momentum of karma and through different lives of suffering and unconscious learning so the whole idea, I think, here is to make this process. Again, it's it's amazing because all the talks that have just happened, uh, I, I can just relate to what I was going to say anyway. So it, to, to make the unconscious process conscious, and then when it becomes conscious at the individual level, then collectively we can come together and make it conscious, right? And right now, if we see again, the reason why we are in a very unique time is because because of most countries in the world have transitioned to democracy. Even the common people like us have a say. You take the latest example of GameStop and what is happening. You see how a group of uh, uh, motivated, knowledgeable people can stand up to you know big, <laughs> big uh, establishment. So, but with this power also comes great responsibility. We we are one of the maybe the first or the even the second generation where such a huge responsibility as an individual is upon us that we can really bring about real tangible change in the way we move forward. So I, I think an important point that I thought I should emphasize is that um, so so to, at the at the individual level I think this has to do with rediscovering or uh, or finding out how to connect in a new the connection to ourselves connection to society connection to nature now you know we are talking about triple bottom line these days so the same idea how to rediscover this connection in this new context a and if you think about it it's actually an age old question it's not a new question in different contexts humanity has faced this question and therefore, we have some age-old solutions, which we should draw upon. Like we have wisdom traditions. You said Ayurveda actually is the is the uh, science of life, of course. So we have, because it's an age-old question, we have age-old solutions. So we should draw upon them. And at the same time, because the context is new, we can also look at how to adapt it to the new context. Like in terms of, it's very interesting, in terms of, well, Lawrence said in terms of the shadow, I think all this quarantine process and restrictions, it's bringing a lot of us face to face with a lot of our shadow side of our personality, of the collective, of, of our own psyche. So it's, it, it could be an opportunity. It, it could be an opportunity or it could be, it could be uh, somewhere where we fall and falter. So it's upon us. Life has collectively brought us face to face with our shadow. And now it is upon us how to take it as an opportunity. And uh, 
so so just to conclude i think we have very powerful tools in our hands so tools is not a problem and we have the ability to influence the discourse and the and the path uh, that humanity takes individually we have more and more influence so tools are there influence is there so it becomes even more important now that we become very conscious of how each of our intentions or actions or the way we relate or our shadow is affecting this because it's become very it's become i mean i could just write a post on social media right now and that could have a ripple effect in a way that it could never have had like 1000 years back so i think it's the responsibility is on us and for forums like these and the for example the work that i do we deal with individuals and then i see how dealing with individuals and bringing them in touch with themselves and letting them heal and showing them a new way of being can really have a ripple effect their families or the companies where they work or when they go back to their home after this healing holiday so yeah i think now is the right time uh, to remind all of us that it's our it's a responsibility we did not ask for but it's a responsibility which we have now so might as well consciously take it and collaborate and make sure we make something good out of it thank you thank you for us uh the right direction i think we all know within us what is the right direction but the question you raised yourself for the statement you made that will it be a successful outcome or will it be traumatic hmm and it's good to be optimistic but we need to recognize and i feel authority is one of the missions of authority is to empower the youths because the youth of today is the first generation in the history of humankind on whose shoulders we have put the responsibility in their life's span of 40 50 60 years they have that if we don't find the solution to climate change then it it may be over for a large percentage of the world's population so we need to be aware that there is a crisis and the pandemic has been unprecedented in its fear that it has created and you've seen even within 3 months of the last 3 months we have a new mutation and what are the mutations come suppose mutations kill all the animals of the world where do we go then or humans so i think we need to be aware that we are playing with fire with some of the things we are doing but still optimism and the right direction rationally we know that's the case Steve from australia charlotte's presentation hi i'm charlotte and i'm delighted to be part of this um, earth odyssey Uh, I have a business called the Mindfulness Clinic and I'm sitting here in Australia and I feel a little inadequate when it comes to talking about earth matters in that I've really focused my career on um we humans and what drives us and I am curious about the link between the micro and the macro so the fact that of course the world is in the state it's in today because of what happens inside 
we humans. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, so I'm going to share my screen and use a few slides for this presentation. So the first kind of model to use is um, Professor Paul Gilbert's um, observation around the three emotional regulation system that 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 operate within we humans. We're always in one of these three systems. The first is a threat system. And um, you know that from if there is a loud noise, you jump. You don't go, oh my goodness, that's a loud noise, now I'm going to jump. In other words, it's rigid and compulsive beyond your control, really. You can, you can gradually dial down your whole system so you're not as vulnerable to it, but it'll never cease to exist because it is designed to keep you safe. And that is ultimately the body's role. So it hijacks our attention and it becomes all about me. And the hormone there is mainly adrenaline. The next one is um, the drive system. And that's probably the most destructive one uh, that we humans um, operate in. It is all about me and my task. In that one, I really believe that if I get the next thing, if I get the next project, if I extend my empire, um, then I'll be happy. And therefore, I, it is a relentless kind of grabbing and exploiting of the outside world. There are two arms to that internally. There is the, the arm where I'm grabbing the tea that is sitting here and I can easily get it so there's no problem. And then there's a thing I don't know if I can make it happen, in which, way, in which case I generate anxiety and stress. And of course, what we're seeing in the world at the moment is also many really just um, trying to get just the basic foods. And of course, they'd be sitting in the drive state in a very stressful way in, the, in that. The, the main hormone there is um, cortisol, and we get those high cortisol levels that then where we don't sleep very well. It is ultimately a really delusional one, but it's also a survival one. So it's a survival one in terms of getting our basic needs met, but it's delusional in its grand form um, where we believe that if we get certain things from the outside world, then we'll be happy. It is also what the majority of self-help books um, kind of fire up in us and what the Western capitalistic model really bow to and celebrate. Um, and even mindfulness and, at been at, is at times seen as a tool to maintain this endless drive. We exercise, we eat well for the sake of performing more. Um, and that's the problem because actually it's not sustainable. And what the planet needs and what our bodies needs and what relationships needs and what our sanity needs is for us to shift across and be more in the connected, contented system. Whereas there is not an inquiring, but an appreciation of this life where um, I care for you, me and the problems around where oxytocin is one of the hormones, the connecting hormones, where contentment is naturally a part of things. The issue is that the threat and the drive are part of our reactive package. And that reactive package is formed by every experience that we've ever happened, sorted in a don't repeat and repeat. And then the responsive is where we have option of not just repeating something from our past, but actually responding in a new way. So for renewal, we also need to be in the connected contented system. So in a way, we can say we're kind of in a teenage culture. We need to start growing up. We have an addiction to growth that, you know, the, the idea of growth is what we've kind of based our economic systems on, forgetting that everything that grows actually has to die and decline. 
um, positive psychology, um, and we needed to be come into positive psychology because we had a kind of really um, very negative and, and very um, sickness formed psychology initially. However, we can't sacrifice, we can't just do that. We have to also acknowledge that there's difficulty. Um, acquisition rather than appreciation identification with thought and thinking which is totally unreliable and keeps us in a disconnect and then disconnecting from the body as well which means we're disconnected from the basic rhythms of life and the needs of life so what happens when we deny the difficult and the painful well we live in suppression and disconnect and trying to make meaning of things find a purpose find things and we feel like little separate beings and we get anxious we get frightened because we live in disconnect from true nature and truth, the rhythms of life, the rules of impermanence, the idea of dependent arising, that everything just is a big pulse changes all the time, that we are but a little speck of a human experience in this vast, uh, on this vast planet. Endless consumption to fill our emptiness, to keep us occupied, busyness with people and acquisition. No appreciation of being an interdependent little animal because we live in disconnect from that. So we live in this penthouse of an Anthropocene perspective, believing we, the humans, are the ultimate. Well, right now, we are the biggest problem. We are, in effect, the cancer of society. And we're not responsible because we live in a privileged, delusional, privileged uh, perspective. So mindfulness is one of the things that perhaps can give a little bit of hope. And that mindfulness just means, the word mind actually means memory. And memory shows up in three ways, as the old Pali script says. It shows up as body sensations, as feelings and thoughts. So mindfulness is us observing this, this kind of our past greeting this moment. Okay? And in that past is our desires for avoiding danger and wanting the next. So mindfulness can potentially be an interceptor of going, wow, there the mind just goes in its endless desire. And I'm going to just breathe. We can also start to connect with a dear body because what we connect, we want to protect. And we can only abuse what we feel disconnected from. So when we do dear body and we close our eyes and we connect with this living system, we can allow it to be our teacher. And it will tell us to look after all life and this planet. Thank you and have a lovely, lovely discussion. Thank you very much, Charlotte. I am sure you will be looking at the recording if you're not awake and already watching it. I want to mention the three systems you specified, the emotional regulation, the drive system and the connect contented. The threat system where you emphasize we jump and we respond. But if you think for a moment, which is your last slide, that that is really the problem in the world. We imagine the threat and we jump with response instead of mindfully assessing the situation before you have to jump, before you pull your gun out. And that is extremely important. And that is one of the things in spirituality or mindfulness that we can learn to respond with a little bit of thoughtfulness. That's one aspect. And the issue of our teenagers driving for growth, we need to emphasize 
that this whole philosophy of growth, which is driven by modern lifestyles, is really a disconnect within ourselves with our own humanity. And that's where the problem lies. So Charlotte, thank you so much for making the effort and being with us. And uh, we will hope to have you online a little bit earlier than midnight. Thank you. I now call on the ambassador, the ambassador of peace. You can pay me. You have the floor. <laughs> Greetings. My name is Upeme Okon. I wish everyone holistic wellness. My presentation uh, is on the vital role a part plays in the whole, as well as balance. I'll be sharing excerpt, the values string, a book on transitional life, compelling fulfillment and profound peace by Upeme Akban Okon. We can achieve wholesome health. The objective is to ensure we live good lives by balancing our spiritual, mental, and physical health, the tripod. Each component of this tripod is to support the others for attainment. The vicissitudes of life test our balancing competencies. What is your indisposition? A component or more of your tripod can strengthen your unwell unit. Instances abound of persons who are considered incapable of doing certain things, requiring physical might. But these heroes possess remarkable determination and have achieved more than physically capable persons. Those on unipods and bipods require support to attain equilibrium, be a balancer. Those on tripods avoid complacency. Maintenance is advantageous and should be done incessantly with unconquered determination. So here, maintenance is likened to sustainability. A staying power of balance exhibits concomitant responsibilities. Achieving tripod balance is not synonymous with perfection. Intrinsic perfection should not serve as a defense for total and recklessness. The suggestion is advance your strengths and overcome your weaknesses. I'm reading from a chapter called Tripod Balance in this book. I believe cultivating spiritual, mental, and physical soundness will yield health-giving results. I believe this is holistic wellness, a responsible path to health, happiness, and sustainability. Thank you. You didn't speak. You can 
I know, because some of you don't met her only today, and I introduced her as an ambassador of peace, which she has that official title. But your statement, Yukepeme, brings out your other quality. She's a musician. And she, her statement was like a symphony, like an orchestra that covered the tribe, the bipod and the single unipod and the and and really thank you so much for for having given us the overall umbrella within which to work. Next we have a man who I never met, but he was always in the next room throughout 35 years of my life whether it was New York or Geneva or Paris or London or where, but I never met him and I met him in Bali, or rather I met him online in Bali. Heiner, you have the floor. Thank you, Mahenda. Uh, can I have the slides, please? I think I have to open them to make them larger. But we can see them. We can read them. Well, but it should be larger. Anyway, let's not waste the time. You see, what we just discussed with Charlotte on the micro and the macro is how do we connect? Is the healing just for me or my family, my group, my nation? And how, what is really wholeness? And what is holism? It is really much, much more than we normally think. And when we remember the statement, I think from Gandhi, it takes a village to raise a child. It means that we do the meditation, that we do um, the healing ourselves, the cleaning ourselves, but also involves the other dimensions, the other scales. And I think Santania said, we should be rooted on the ground, but our eyes should survey the world. And this is actually what I'm concerned about. How can we really get the other dimensions in? And I worked with young people on me, we, you, they, and other models. How can we include our specific eyes? The warm's eye, the fish eye, the bird's eye, the group eye, the generational eye. And actually, I cannot move my slides. So I think I, I might need to stop the screen. And... Um, try to go in into my other system. Yes. And then go here to something very special I would like to show you about. We looked very much into meditation, into the healing of your intangible thoughts and getting your empathy, your compassion, everything involved. And I came uh, across a, 
a meditation researcher. Her name is Tanya Singer. And she found out in long detunal um, studies, over one year, a couple of hundred people, that when they really brought all the issues together, that um, they came to the tripod of, of Ukpema. So the new model of really going the dualisms and oversimplifications by doing in meditation a third step, which was called the perspective unit, seeing not only myself and looking inside and outside, but creating in mindsets and mental models to see with other eyes. Imagine how everything looks like when I see with the eyes of my friend from the other side, or if I see like from a bird's eye in another dimension. And this is what I really wanted to tell you about this original concepts of holism law was done by a South African, young Christian Smarts, and then only later Arthur Köstler took it up to really see this dimensionality, this mindfulness by uh, panning and not zooming and going into the detail, but really being, being free and floating. And when we consider the first graph again, then the issues are also governance, as uh, Mahendra mentioned, or policy, how we go together in groups, what is the commons? Is it humankind? Is it the living kingdom of the animals and the plants? So I just wanted to tell you, I'm happy that I was the last in our group here. And I just wanted to make you aware that the basic step is to be complete, whole, happy in yourself, but then care for your neighbor your family, your town, your nation, and all living things. And I'm using concrete models. I'm building them with young people to really see that it is not systems which connect us, but the models we create and share and immerse into. So this was my five minutes. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Heiner. Me, my family, my nation. And you gave us the example of the village, Gandhi. But let us not forget that the pandemic has shown us that we are all in it together. And if together we don't solve the problem, that will come us to haunt us for many decades. So this togetherness informing the solution, the interdependence in the world. Me first doesn't work. It, the interdependence is so important. So, but still your approach of models is it's certainly part of the tools we need to analyze. I'm now going to call upon Yuri. Yuri is in Brazil and Brazil 
the is the oxygen filter of the world it is the water basin it's a biodiversity basin it's a place where the indigenous people still live indigenous lives from which the world can learn to love in live in harmony with nature and he is an explorer a documentary maker uh yuri you have the floor okay thank you very much mr dr mahenda i just wanted to share an example of what we did in brazil and you are right brazil has the greatest biodiversity on earth in in, in the amazon we have the wetlands we have lots of uh, exciting very nice places that uh, are under threat now and i hope we can overcome this period of time and and soon in the future we can go back to you know, the traditional to the democratic the you know environmental ways that we we've been building brazil since since the beginning okay so i just want to share uh, my screen and show an example of what we did here and i think this is my house i'm speaking now from this place from this pile of uh, old tires and uh, what we did is a few years ago like 10 years ago we decided to build a model of a sustainable house and i'm bringing this today because i think in order for you to be uh, well, okay, you have to be in a very nice environment. Of course, everybody has to live somewhere. Why not make your environment a little better for you and for your community? So that's what we did. We did a project, like I said, 10 or 12 years ago, and we got a bunch of uh, old, old tires, and we started to build in a house. I live by a lake. It's a very nice place near Sao Paulo, one hour of Sao Paulo, the big city, full of pollution. But here, where we're free, I have the best oxygen in the world in, in our place here and we decided to make a model of house and because we did that and we started building this house and it's a big house as you can see it's very comfortable and because we did that uh, now a lot of people start to build things or not uh, a whole house but sometimes a, a wall or sometimes uh, a community house uh, using this model so we have a floor stories high house or roof is made of you know green uh, green vegetation so that filters a lot of uh, the, the sun rays and keeps the house cool every every uh, day of the year and it's a nice thing about this house it was e easier to build not easier but uh, of course take some effort to put the tires and everything else but uh, the next nice thing is it costs like 30 percent less to build the house and you can see on the left here use pet bottles as a part of the roof before I put the concrete on. I have used some concrete, of course, uh, to, to, to lock the house in place. But because uh, of this construction, we don't need to have air conditioned, even though it's very hot in Brazil, as you probably know, in the summer. We don't have to have a heating system in the whole house for the winter because it keeps the temperature almost the same, 25 degrees Celsius year round. So it's just a few examples of what we can do. And like I said, we start to share this, all the technology. People come here and they ask, and we show them how to build. And there's a few people in Brazil and even in Peru, other places came to visit us, and they are building similar houses. So it's just a, a way we did, a little way that we, we, we had uh, we build our, our, our place, our environmental uh, friendly place, a very, uh, like I said, energy efficient place. And we shared the idea part of what we're doing with RFOC, we're trying to get the best idea in the world and share with other communities so everybody can be, uh, can be happy. So you can see it's a nice house. We even have a swimming pool, we have fish, we have cats, everything. 
and it's made like I said of sustainable and this is my studio that's why I, I'm talking from we have a little cinema and we have a studio we can record part of our productions we do we, we like doing interviews two three people we can, we can make here and it's also all make of environmental friendly uh, materials and techniques so to be sustainable to be happy to be well we have to be in good environment so maybe you can adapt a little part of your house your of your uh, work environment uh, and make it more sustainable thank you Thank you very much, Yuri. Uh, only you have created a sustainable uh, house, building such a sustainable house. But at the same time, you solve one of the biggest waste problems in this world. At the moment, I think there are about uh, under a billion cars. In a few years, we'll probably have three, four billion cars half the world's population and then multiply by four tires you can imagine the what do we do with this wasted tires every two years and that's a really amazing solution so it solves two problems and i think that's a lesson for us in sustainability i'm now going to open the discussion but before i do that i feel wonderful tonight because none of you gave me the opportunity to show you what a great musician I am. That was the signal to say your time is up. And you were so disciplined that I didn't have the chance to play my music. But the floor is open. Lorraine, you sent me a order. So you have the opening line. Please go ahead, Lorraine. No, I seeded to someone else okay. who has an idea right. to say. Thank you. Well, first, Jacqueline, you have the floor. For what else I want to say? In Is the, that what? In the context of what we have talked about and how well, the, how together, how we can come together to come up with the central issue of how we can all begin to live perfect holistic well-being life and how that by definition will turn us into sustainable human beings and then all the problems disappear so in that context <laughs> yeah all right well first of all i loved every presentation and every presentation speaks to my heart and it's part of my work and everything so i think it Everyone was so inspiring and I like what I heard. So um, one thing is, is I think it's a, what, what I see a lot is that people really think they're just them, like they're this single person, human being walking around and nothing affects whatever they do, it's just for them. And I think that taking the, well, the realization that nobody is alone, nobody is one, everything you do matters, everything you say, you think, you, you, you think your thoughts are just inside of you, but they affect others, you know, because you're feeding consciousness energetically. And so any word you say, even if you say, um, thank you, but you say it in an angry undertone or whatnot. You really got to do that in the work to clean yourself up. Because if you say, 
Thank you. You know, that's not going to feed consciousness the right way. It's not going to affect people in the, in, the, in the way that a beautiful thing you can, right? You really just do the inner work. And that takes, that means to me is what I see a lot is, is to, you have to take responsibility. You have to start saying, it's nobody else out there. It's not the world. It's not the neighbor. It's not the angry bus driver. It's not the guy that cuts me off in the car. It's not anything. It's me. It's all depending on me to do that inner work and then to realize I am one with everything. So if I'm angry, I'm gonna make you know, I'm gonna send that angry energy all the way from America to Africa. It really is that way. And so to be aware that you're one, that you really, really matter. Every single breath and step you do and take matters the way you do it. And then to take responsibility. It's nobody out there anymore. It's me. How am I perceiving it? How am I feeling? Am I doing my inner work? Meditation, yoga, am I physically fit? Am I mentally fit, emotionally? Am I, you know, feeling one with consciousness? Do that inner work and then show up and, you know, slow down and show up. And from there, make love and peace and kindness, that pureness, really who you are. Not just have what you say and act. It, you got to be and live it, right? And that is what I wanted to add and what I think really brings everything together. Oh, one more thing is, is then when you are like that and show up like that, then you will look at someone through those kind and loving eyes. And I think that's how you had the question, how to bring this into the community together. I think it comes together then that you make sure or you look at somebody, you lift them up, you help them, and you maybe even inspire them and teach them. So you share and spread that. And I think that's how that light goes infinite further and further. Response, please. Could I respond? Could I respond, Mahendra? This is Anders here. Please, please. Uh, I have, uh, you have to follow a little bit on Jacqueline there. I have the concept, I, I've written a book called The Gentle Way of the Heart. So what does the gentle way mean? It means that at every moment in your day, in every moment in your life, you, you strive to be gentle. It means that you are gentle to yourself and gentle to the surrounding. It shows you the loving kindness you are. So even if you have to deliver a hard truth to someone, you can deliver it in a gentle way. So, so if we are becoming more gentle in the world, how we are perceiving others and also how we are perceiving ourselves, uh, everything just sort of calm down and we can move forward. Uh, and, and, and you have to build a little bit what you said, Jacqueline. It's really showing that, that beautiful side that we all have within and that we should strive for that. It's almost like we can make a conscious decision every moment in our day to strive for it. We hold back a little bit to react, to respond from what we can call the reptile brain. And we hold back a little bit and try to bring forward that uh, beautiful shining heart that we have that just wants to be kind and gentle. Not avoiding the truth, not fleeing from something uncomfortable, but we can still choose to be gentle in that situation. 
And may I maybe add that I think a lot of people stumble, like what I see in my clientele and readers that might read my book and listen to my podcast, they're saying, yeah, it's just sometimes so hard. And I said, well, what's hard? And they say it sometimes seems like this mountain because you're coming from the bottom of the mountain, you know, and you're climbing that. And I say, actually, the thing is, it's like it starts small. You know, you don't have to already say, oh, my whole life from now on, that's all I'm going to be, love and happiness and whatnot. No, no. And like I, yeah, like you said, not in being in denial, but you can come from a good heart, you know, and living this, the truth of life. But it's like to, to realize every single breath you take, you know, every single step you take. Check in with yourself once an hour. How am I right now? Am I still in that alignment or not? To just take step by step and not thinking this as already being a high amount. Oh, I got to change everything and I've got to just do minute by minute, second by second, once an hour, check in. And because once you practice that you're gonna get addicted to feeling really good so and then you know it's like and that's when it becomes like this passion so you be and live it and in the beginning just take it slow and know that every split second you can choose again you're not stuck you can always choose again to realign if i if i ask follow you as quickly on that I, I exactly right but one of the most important things with also the gentleness towards yourself is to realize that you will fail many times. And you might look into yourself in the mirror uh, when you have failed, and then you just say, I forgive myself, I love myself so much. But next time I will be trying to be a little bit more conscious and make a different choice. But I have accepted all my failures, or I'm, and that I don't need to be perfect, I just need to show who I am. Thank you. Lauren, you have the floor. Yeah, just one insight that I've gotten, you know, I have kind of a background and I've studied, you know, neoliberalism and, um, you know, kind of politics and economy. And one great insight from this panel is that just like the growth of the economy went along for so long unquestioned, I think there's this parallel focus on personal growth. And the problem with growth is that you're never satisfied, like personal growth, you have to improve in order to be good. And there's never a point in your self improvement process where you're ever going to be good enough. And I think that that's the source of this problem, this like, we need to grow, we need to grow and change. And it's never just like, we're okay, just like this. Thank you, any response? Because what you just said, Loren, the word contentment, because when you are on that growth path, you are never contented. And when you are never contented, you don't find the tranquility, the serenity, the happiness. And the question is, from what Jacqueline was saying, what Anders said, it's all a question of intelligence, consciousness, love, tender eyes, tender smile, gentle heart. All of that all sums up to only one word, humanity. And that's what we are all supposed to be. So we all have it within us. And yet we are on this growth path and don't find the contentment. 
and this remote working is actually parents are sitting at home working away and they go on and on even the children are saying dad please play with me mom please play with me and we are so busy and then there is no contentment next please can I add something to this? What Lauren yes, said? I love what you said, Lauren. What I want to add on is like, I call it alignment instead of personal growth and getting more and more and more. I call it alignment. You know, you align constantly. And when you align or when I align, I can tell you there's so much contentment in there. It's all just fine as is. And I'm not in denial. You know, it's not like that. I'm this happy camper going down the street thinking, <laughs> nothing is happening in the world no no no. i'm very much aware however i'm looking at everything from an aligned perspective which comes from it's a solution base and it's not reaction you know it's just like i'm looking at it and you can change so much from just changing who you are inside of you so i call it alignment and then it suddenly becomes this oh i'm aligning instead of personal growth always more right it's alignment that is a uh, loren that's a wonderful way to put it but earlier on you talked about north america or united states to africa it's easier to go there but to go from united states to asia with its culture and history and so on uh yes alignment is a lovely word but uh, when you look at the leading nation in this world it's only about growth growth and growth so the question is how what can we learn and how we can take this message worldwide that's a challenge who else please anders you're look uh, uh heiner you're looking very thoughtful please you have the floor well, I was surprised to learn from Yuri again another facet because living in a body is one thing, but living in a healthy house and in a healthy village is very important. Not only being energy efficient, but really maybe even having chimneys. So I'm fully um, behind your work and I would like to see it. We work with youth organization taking these tires and making rafts, islands, and also houses. It's the earth ship movement. And so maybe earth and ship comes together. And I think we should really be aware. That's what I meant with expanding the scales, that it is all in harmony. That's a great suggestion, Yuri. The pedal boat you are building to travel from one end of the Amazon to the other end. Maybe a tire pedal boat. Think about it. Yeah, it's going to be a bit too heavy, but yeah, we're going to use a lot of elements there. Well, just because you mentioned we are making a project, hopefully we're going to do that in 2022. Uh, a few months will be, will be away. We're going to travel the Amazon River from you know the source in Peru all the way to the ocean. Uh, our intention is to something some similar to what we do to the house. We're going to build a, a boat and design the boat. Uh, it's going to be a clean energy boat moved by pedal and solar power. And we intend at the end to give the technology to the Indian and the you know, riverside tribes or communities there in the Amazon. Because what happens today is they don't, don't pedal canoes anymore. They have uh, uh, outboard engines, gasoline engines. And it costs a lot of money. Like to, 
twice as much as we I pay in Sao Paulo, they're going to pay to have a, a liter of gasoline in the Amazon. There's all the pollution and there's plenty of sunshine. So why not teach them? Now we have the technology. It's just a matter of uh, not making it expensive, but make it uh, inclusive and how to make them think that in the future they can have solar boats. Uh, same as my house. The house, if you go to a, a, a websites in America or the place Europe, some countries, you find people who can build a sustainable house. It's going to cost like three times a conventional house. Our house, and we have all the appointments, all the, all the numbers, it costs 30% less. And it's a lot more efficient than any house I've ever seen uh, in Brazil or other places as well. So yes, uh, we we can get technology, make it uh, popular and give back to the people. And that's what we're trying to do in part. Thank and, you. And Yuri, please do remember all these distinguished panel members we've had in our eight or nine panels so far and make a note of them and uh, at least give us a little bit of a quota for some of us who would like to be on that beautiful journey across the Amazon. I need I need people who, who, who paddle the boat, yes, <laughs> to cycle the boat, yeah. We will train. We have two years to train. Don't worry. Next, yeah. please. <laughs> for us, I can see you are thinking. Please. I'm so yeah, in, in line with what I think Jacqueline had mentioned regarding alignment, I think from my background in yoga, a little bit of Qigong, I think it's one insight which is interesting in this context is that it, it, takes, it takes effort to be natural. That is one insight which I have physically come across in my, like for example, in Qigong, the Wuji posture is the most natural and the easiest and the most aligned posture but it takes a lot of effort and it's a different kind of subtle inner effort, more smarter effort, you can say, but it does take an effort to be aligned. So for example, uh, therefore the, there has to be a distinction which has to be drawn uh, between, like you cannot walk into a supermarket tomorrow and say, I'm just going to be natural and follow my instinct because the whole because the whole every square inch of that supermarket has been designed by MBAs like me who have been paid a lot of money to figure out at eye level what to keep, what fragrance, right, left. So it's it, there is already conditioning built into the interactions that we are having. Like social media, when I pick up my phone, the way I'm acting is by default already conditioned. So it takes, so to understand that it takes a certain amount of effort to get back to the natural state. I think that's an important, and then it also ties in with what Lauren said about the shadow, because I may think, oh, it naturally, this is what I feel like doing, but that may not, may not be the most aligned action because, because you need, that's why all these systems are there. That's why, you know, uh, yoga, Qigong, Ayurveda, they just bring you back to alignment, but after a long process. So I think that's one insight, which I think micro and macro both can be applied. Thank you. Thank you for us. Yes, Lauren. Lauren? I was just agreeing. Oh, you were agreeing. Wonderful. Yeah, I've gone like this. Beautiful gesture to say yes, absolutely. Yes, anyone else, please. We are coming 
to our 90 minutes, exactly, in fact, half a minute ahead. I just want to say that we've had eight or nine panels. Every panel has been wonderful. But I don't know, maybe there's something about the number nine, nine lives and whatever. This has been a very, very, very special panel. And the wide breadth of views we've had uh, makes me realize that this whole business of holistic well-being and sustainable development, we can make that connection and we can make a success of it by only one word, embrace and mobilize your humanity. That's all we need to do, alignment, all these worlds, as soon as we embrace and mobilize our humanity, then we have everything from Gandhi's village to the city. So it's been an amazing group. I thank you for your participation. And we would like each and every one of you to be ambassadors of Earth Odyssey. And one small request. Is there anyone who doesn't have a mobile phone? Do all of you own mobile phones? Are you 21st century people? In which case, if you have the opportunity, and you have the opportunity because all I am asking for is one minute and 50 seconds of your time, please make a little video on your, on your phone and send it to us on any aspect of what we've been talking about. And it will be wonderful because the whole aim of the Earth Odyssey program, we want a worldwide campaign for people of all ages to send their little videos on their mobile phones. And out of that, we want to create a documentary of the views of the citizens of the world. And also this will be followed by hopefully panel discussions when the time allows us beyond COVID, we plan to have 30 panels in 30 countries on six subjects, six major su uh, subjects of sustainable development. And each panel will be approximately 24 people, 12 youths and 12 adults. The 12 adults will be two politicians, two business people, two civil society, two scientists and so on. And of course, gender balance will be there. But we want to give a voice to the youth. And we want to give, we don't want to empower any women. We only want to inspire the women who need no empowerment because they are naturally endowed with all the characteristics that we mentioned of compassion and tender eyes and everything else, which is essential to heal not only humanity, but to heal nature. So our focus in Earth Odyssey is inspire the women and empower the youths because they are the leaders of tomorrow. They will have the power of their thumb and they'll have the power of their wallet with which we can change the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Join us at earthodyssey.org and sign our YouTube channel at youtube.com-earthodyssey.